tyranny, tyranny, and more tyranny. That's what we've got. Well, that was a great rap song from uh, the uh, World War II era. Germany, you know, <laughs> the, the only the only refuge for the English when the V2 rockets started bombarding England was the cellar, right? Well, where are we at now? We're being bombarded into the grave via COVID and all kinds of fear-mongering and you name it, how serious our people are in buried in their fear. As if the V2 rockets were coming down and exploding all around us. Well, virtual reality, which is what we have constantly on media, is creating this world full of fear that our people are really unable to get out of. So today we're going to uh, talk the third episode of Structural Adjustment. And uh, no, no Michael today, so he's off hunting again. He's he's trying to get away from the fear-mongering of mass media. And, well, Paul told us uh, that the prince of the power of the air, Satan is that prince of the power of the air. And, don't you know, he's talking about the airwaves. Paul was an absolute genius. He was his words are inspired. You really have to hand it to him for being able to explain to us what in the world is wrong with the world today if you have the ability to read. So, uh, I've been on a crusade against those who you know, bash Paul. Uh, but the fact is uh, Paul is an absolute uh, prophetic genius. You really have to pay attention to his words. You also have to understand that the the words that the translators have used to translate his language are often very bad and do not come close to what the, the actual Greek words he used meant. Okay, for example, there's this one glaring mistranslation where it says, we're all of one blood. And that word blood was added by the translators to imply that all the people in the world are have the same blood. Well, our, all, all of our blood is red, and we do all have all that in common. But when it comes to DNA, there's a universe of difference between the races. No doubt about that. So it, it shows in every every single day what we're up against. Okay, structural adjustment. And this is a series. Oh, hold on. I got an ad all, all of a sudden. Okay, this is an article about how the world bankers, the global fractional reserve banking system, causes poverty. And it's actually an expose of banking colonialism. Now, this is a very important document. If you if you have a liberal in your family who's always bashing white colonialists, you need to send them this article because this explains that bankers are far worse than white colonialists. In fact, the white colonialists have pretty much left Africa. You know, I mean, they've beaten that dead horse, uh, brought it back to life, or at least propped it up so it can be beaten back down again at the university level and uh, in mass media as well, because you got to blame Whitey for everything. 
So this article really is must-reading for every left-winger. Every left-winger must read this article and find out what's really going on, who the true author of poverty in the world is, who the real exploiters are, and it's not white people. It's Jew bankers. Okay? So about two-thirds of the way down, if you want to follow me, just open up the link that I sent there. It's in the chat room. And I'll stop back up. The, the, the section I want to quote from is IMF and World Bank. But I'm going to back up uh, one, one heading. Structural adjustment in rich countries. Now, what the authors call structural adjustment is actually bankers' colonialism. That's what I call it. It's bankers' colonialism. There's no college courses on this subject. If you go to college, all you hear about is white colonialism, how evil, uh, the evil white colonialists took over this country and that country and robbed them of its natural resources. They forget about saying, well, we employed millions of people, raised their standard of living beyond crawling around in the dirt to having actual hospitals and cities and streets and electricity and plumbing, flush toilets. They'll never talk about that. They only talk about the fact, oh, white, the, the white patriarchy has taken control and enslaved these people. No, we haven't. We've elevated their standard of living beyond their wildest dreams. But, of course, that's Jewish. it's Jewish teaching that you get in the colleges, and everything Jewish is anti-white. So this heading, Structural Adjustment in Rich Countries. As the global financial crisis, which started in the West around 2008, has taken hold, and boy, it has really taken hold, folks, many rich nations themselves are facing economic problems. Perhaps surprisingly, many have this prescribed to themselves structural adjustment and austerity programs. Yeah, that's what happens when the bankers come in, they lend you tons of money, and then when it time, comes time to pay it back, you find out that they have rules that you're supposed to follow. You know, so the money that they loan you supposedly to build up your economy and your infrastructure and manufacturing and farming and all that doesn't work. Because why? Because the structure of the loan prevents you from doing that. Okay, so so somebody, some loan shark comes along, hands you twenty thousand dollars. Uh, what do they call these uh, these local loan offices that uh, payday loans, you know, that kind of business? Well, they'll lend you the money at 28% interest, okay? So you, <coughs> you, you spend the money on a, a, a good time uh, downtown, right? You, you blow half of the money you borrowed, and then, boy, oh, I feel good. Man, I finally had some fun. And then uh, a month later, when your first payment is due, all you have left is maybe to make one payment, and you're back in debt. You're back to being poor again. That's the way this works. On the international level, the way the IMF and World Bank loan to nations, that's what it is. It's a loan sharking operation, and it pauperizes every single borrower. Continuing here, in Europe, 
Germany is influential in requiring austerity measures if countries want bailouts from Germany or the European Union. Well, I mean, if you want bailouts, well, well, here, the bankers know whether any client is capable of paying the debt back. But nevertheless, what they do by the, these austerity rules, they make sure that the client cannot pay it back because all they have to do is create more money and find find more patsies for their loans, and the process continues. Sometimes the, the country that has been pauperized recovers. Sometimes it doesn't. They don't care. They don't need your stinking loan repayment money. They just create money out of nothing and spend it into circulation. This is nothing but a game to them. But the purpose of the game is power to control nations. And believe you me, folks, the United States of America, China, even though China creates its own money and has its own bank, you know, bankers communism, folks, bankers communism, they're still beholden to the international bankers. The international bankers created communist China. So they don't dare, at least in the present circumstances, they don't dare buck the system because their economy is in a shambles too. So anybody who lives on borrowed money, that includes nations, is asking for trouble. Now, don't you know that the debt spiral globally has gotten so bad that not, there's just not a single entity that can pay back the money that it owes to the bankers? So this is approaching a crisis just like 1929. That's how serious the crisis is. So we're all living in a glass bubble, <laughs> the glass bubble. And let me put it this way. You've probably seen a commercial where the singer hits a high note and the glass breaks, right? Well, that's what's going to happen, folks. The singer's going to hit that high note, and that singer is Yahweh. He's going to sing that high note, and that bubble is going to burst. By the way, the lady on uh, uh, Speak Free Radio preceding our show talked about that very same article that we have up on Eurofolk Radio about the insider who exposed how the system works. Excellent article. It's about the third or fourth article down on the main page. I highly advise, if you haven't listened or watched that video yet, that you watch it. It's about the insider trading on Wall Street and globally, actually that uh, nobody pays attention to. As I mentioned probably several times, that when I came back from Vietnam, I had already figured out that America was not trying to win the war and something really shady was going on. When I was in Viet Vietnam, I came to the conclusion, well, the corporations, you know, the, the national and international corporations must be behind the war because they don't want it to end. So I swore to myself, I, when I get back to America, I will find out who's behind all this. And it only took me about a year or two to figure out it was the Jews. The Jews are the ones who control the banks. They control the corporations. It was the Jews behind this war. And the Jews did not want it to end. And Nixon really had no choice but to end it. You probably heard me tell the story of Nord Davis Jr. and how he had, a, he had a, an airplane 
like an old-fashioned bomber <laughs> that he would use to fly over the uh, channel to Haiphong Harbor. And it was none other than Nord Davis Jr. who caused the Vietnam War to end. How did he do that? Well, he sent the message to Admiral, uh, the Admiral in charge of the Pacific Fleet. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, but uh, his son became a senator, and he, and he, he was a he was shot, his plane was shot down. He was a, uh, a hot shot pilot, and uh, he got shot down, and you know, he became the senator for Arizona. But nevertheless, it was Nord Davis Jr. who put this pressure on his father, who was admiral, commander of the Pacific Fleet, and told him, "Hey, I've got this bomber." And if you don't put an end to this war, I'm going to use my bomber to blow blow away the dredge that keeps the channel clear. So your international shipping, your treasonous international shipping that is feeding supplies to North Vietnam, yeah, the British, American, French, German shipping, which is feeding the Vietnamese, North Vietnamese war effort, if you don't uh, sink this dredge, I will. Okay? Word got back to Nixon. Nixon understood the seriousness of the situation. Nixon did want to end the war, but uh, nobody else did. So he took the situation seriously, and when Nord Davis Jr. threatened to bomb that dredge, which he was perfectly capable of doing, Nixon got the message and said, okay, we've got to put an end to this war. This is how Christian identity Members of the Christian Identity Movement, of which Nord Davis was one, put an end to the Vietnam War. It might still be dragging on today if the international Jew would have it that way. But it was uh, one of our members, Nord Davis Jr., who wrote a fantastic booklet called Star Wars, which explains the covenant message very, very well. That's another item. You could just go on to online, Nord Davis Jr., Star Wars. And that will come up. And we've done several shows on that. The covenant message is really explained simply and well by Nord Davis there. All right. So let's get back to the, today's subject, the structural adjustment. And we're going to start with IMF and World Bank. And IMF stands for the International Monetary Fund. The IMF and World Bank's policies are very different now from their original intent, as summarized here by the John F. Henning Center for International Labor Relations. Quote, the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank were conceived by 44 nations at the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944 with the goal of creating a stable framework for post-war global economy. Well, you're talking about this is a secret meeting of international bankers, the vast majority of whom are Jews, who wanted to use the cover of World War II to institute their global economic system, which does not mean free, free enterprise, folks. They created the middleman system by which they control the world economy. So they basically bribed all these nations to, to come in because of the benefits they could get by money creation. This is nothing but the same old, same old Rothschild money creation scheme uh, 
Give me the power to issue a nation's currency, and I care not who makes its laws. They just implemented that globally at the Bretton Woods Conference in 1944. So this is nothing but another Rothschild uh, operation. Yeah, stable framework for them. But essentially what it did was it made the Federal Reserve note the international currency by which the world would enact trade. It was this conference which established the FRN as the global, global dollar, put it that way. Continuing, the IMF was originally envisioned to promote steady growth and full employment by offering unconditional loans to economies in crisis and establishing mechanisms to stabilize exchange rates and facilitate currency exchange. Well, that's the propaganda. And whoever's uh, making this quote is restating the propaganda very well. Much of that vision, however, was never borne out. Did you expect a, a promise made by a Jew to be borne out? Instead, pressured by U.S. representatives, the IMF took to offering loans based on strict conditions, later to be known as structural adjustment or austerity measures dictated largely by the most powerful member of nations. Who might that be? It certainly wasn't America. Well, America came out of World War II as the most powerful nation in the world, but it was still controlled by the Jew banksters, not controlled by American Congress, not controlled by the people. Critics charge that these policies have decimated social safety nets and worsened lax labor and environmental standards in developing countries. Yes, they have. The World Bank, the International Bank for Reconstruction and Development, was created to fund the rebuilding and infrastructure in nations ravaged by World War II. No, it was created to maintain control over them economically, to dominate them economically. It's always, it's always the propaganda that people believe and go for it. And it really wasn't necessary after World War II. America, the American economy was booming to such a great extent, we could have just made loans to the world from our treasury. <laughs> and who needs bankers? Who needs bankers? That, that's our slogan from now on. Who needs bankers? But again, you know, you're you're reading the script from the World Bank as to you know what, uh, how good we are to the nations by lending them money. Uh, really, okay, yeah. Go back to that loan shark on the street corner, giving you your payday loan. Its vision too, however, soon changed. Well, what do you expect? In the mid 1950s, the bank turned its attention away from Europe to the Third World and began funding massive industrial development projects in Latin America, Asia, and Africa. Many scholars and activists contend that the bank's aggressive dealings with developing nations, which were often ruled by dictatorial regimes, exacerbated the developing world's growing debt crisis and devastated local ecologies and indigenous communities. Where are the echo? The echo. The, the, the people who are so concerned about the environment, where are they? Why aren't they protesting the World Bank and International Monetary Fund? 
because their college courses teach absolutely nothing about them. Both IMF and World Bank policies remain a source of heated debates. John F. Henning Center for International Labor Relations, Institute for Industrial Relations, University of California at Berkeley, one of the most conspiratorial universities on the planet. So, folks, this should be common knowledge. All these left-wingers protesting in the streets, Antifa, Black Lives Matter. They've been conditioned to protest against white colonialism, and they know absolutely nothing about international banking. Nothing. Continuing with the article. Although their goals are slightly different, the IMF and World Bank policies complement each other. Why they needed to bother with a second bank, I don't know. But that's what bankers do. They create more banks. Quote, World Bank and IMF adjustment programs differ according to the role of each institution. In general, IMF loan conditions focus on monetary and fiscal issues. They emphasize programs to address inflation and balance of payment problems. Well, inflation is caused by bankers. It's bankers who create money. Inflation is money creation. Too much, too much money creation causes inflation, often requiring specific levels of cutbacks in total government spending. Okay, so you lend, you lend the government money, and then you tell, well, you have to cut your spending. <laughs> well, what did they take the loan for? The adjustment programs of the World Bank are wider in scope with a more long-term development focus. Okay, so well, one, one, one bank... Get, is the hot shot payday loan on the street corner. The other is Chase Manhattan, the big loan, the big loan company. That's the difference. The adjustment programs of the World Bank are wider in scope with more long-term development focus. They highlight market liberalization and public sector reform. Oh, I hate that word, liberalization. Seen as promoting growth through expanding exports, particularly of cash crops. Okay. Nevertheless, by taking a loan from either one of these organizations, you are getting yourself in debt. And once you get yourself in debt, you have to determine how do I repay the loan? Because these loans come with uh, the mortgage security collateral. What happens in every single case is the bank winds up owning you, whether you're an individual or a country. Despite these differences, World and World Bank and IMF adjustment programs reinforce each other. One way is called cross-conditionality. There's a banker's term I haven't heard yet. This means that a government generally must first be approved by the IMF before qualifying for an adjustment loan from the World Bank. Now, I guarantee you that the conditions for being approved are very slight. What the World Bank and IMF are actually after is whether they can take over your country easily, without force, whether you're a patsy, whether you're one of those dominoes that can be easily toppled over, which means that... You know, once your country is toppled over, let's say you're an African sleaze bag, uh, 
uh, ruler who uses the, the loan to, to build 12 or 13 palaces for each of your wives, and then, uh, then what's left over for your people? Nothing. Nothing is left over for your people. The money you borrowed is supposed to go to infrastructure. And, well, the infrastructure is the 13 palaces you just built and the, and the 13 wives that you have to feed and their children and, and your mistresses, etc. Okay? Now, don't tell me the World Bank and IMF don't know this. So, so what are what are the what are the conditions? There are no conditions. We got a patsy. Let's take advantage of the patsy. And when he can't pay the loan back, you foreclose, and the bank owns that country. And then they prop up another dictator, just like the old dictator. Maybe they even give that country a new name, but they usually retain the old name, and the process starts all over again. The new loan gets the economy going, but not for long. Their agendas also overlap in the financial sector in particular. Both work to impose fiscal austerity and to eliminate subsidies for workers. For example, why did you give the loan in the first place? It's to create poverty, folks. To create slavery. The market-oriented perspective of both institutions makes their policy prescriptions complementary. Okay, enough of that. Yeah, thanks for the non-explanation. And that's by Anne Louise Colgan. Hazardous to health, the World Bank and IMF in Africa, Africa Action, April 18, 2002. So at least these people who are being quoted in this article are honestly explaining the situation. What they're not really, to, to some extent they do, but most of the time they're not really explaining the cutthroat nature of both the IMF and World Bank. It's a cutthroat operation. It's not designed to help these countries at all. It's designed to enslave them, and that is always what happens. But economics is often driven by politics. Oh, you think? As a result, no, economics is driven by Jewish bankers. <laughs> and politics is just a means to their control, and they control the politicians, too. As a result of policies by the IMF, World Bank, and various powerful nations, no, not nations, bankers, basic human rights have been severely undermined in many countries, as also noted sharply by global exchange. By the way, I think it's Argentina who has just declared bankruptcy for having submitted to the same type of loan. It always results in bankruptcy. Don't these politicians know that? Of course they know that. But when a nation like Argentina or Colombia or even America takes loans from the Jewish bankers, it's the top echelon of society, namely the politicians and the corporations who use this money for themselves, for their businesses, for their friends and family, for their mistresses, for their palaces, etc. And the people be damned. The people never benefit from these loans. 
unless a, one said corporation actually starts producing stuff and employing people. But nevertheless, that group still has to pay off the debt. So you got to pay the piper at some point in time. That's why we don't need bankers. And Abraham Lincoln did the right thing when he created the, the greenbacks. He set the example. He proved to the world, you don't need bankers to drive the economy. All you need to do is spend money into circulation. Adolf Hitler did the same thing. Lincoln was assassinated by the bankers for demonstrating this reality, and Hitler's country, Germany, was assassinated by the bankers for making the same demonstration. For decades, the IMF and World Bank have been largely controlled by the developed nations such as the USA, Germany, UK, Japan. But, but their economic policies are driven by their own bankers. The IMF website has a breakdown of the quotas and voting power. So this article is telling us about the dangers of IMF and World Bank colonialism. But they're still blaming countries that are under the same system. Okay, so we're debt slaves. America are debt slaves to the Jewish bankers. And so are all these other countries. So don't blame the countries. Blame the banksters. Get real. The U.S., for example, controls 70% of the voting power at the IMF. Well, that means American bankers, <laughs> right? American Jewish bankers control the vote. It's not the U.S. that controls it. It's the Jewish bankers in America that control 17% of the voting power. Until November 2010, an 85% majority was required for a decision. So the U.S. effectively had veto power at the IMF. In addition, the World Bank is 51% funded by the U.S. Treasury. That's our tax dollars going to, to create and sustain these two banking slave operations. Okay? I'm just putting it as simply as possible so you understand what's going on. The global financial crisis from 2008 onwards has resulted in some shifts in power, you think? It's just more power to the Jew bankers such that some leading developing countries have finally managed to break some of the control at the IMF and get more seats and votes, while some say that part that parts of Europe have resisted giving up some share which would be appropriate. The changes also means the U.S. is no longer no, having veto power that it had for decades. Well, it was, it was the U.S. that had that veto power anyway. It was the Jewish bankers in America. Journalist John Pilger also provides a political aspect to this case. Quote, Under a plan devised by President Reagan's Secretary to the Treasury, James Baker, indebted countries were offered World Bank and IMF servicing loans in return for the structural adjustment of their economies. More slavery. This meant that the economic direction of each country would be planned monitored and controlled in Washington by the Federal Reserve. Liberal containment was replaced by laissez-faire capitalism, known as the free market, but that's not the real free market. Free enterprise 
does not allow bankers to control the currency. The IMF and World Bank's policies have indeed been heavily criticized for many years and are seen as unhelpful <laughs> and unaccountable. Yeah, that's 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 when your slave master doesn't help you and doesn't account for his actions. As they have led to an increased dependency on the developing countries upon the richer nations, as also mentioned at the top of this page. At the same time, the different cultures are not respected when it comes to prescribing structural adjustment principles either. Oh, you're expecting diversity? That these bankers would honor diversity? You're expecting that? Man, these liberals who don't know anything about the World Bank and structural adjustment and global banking enslavement of nations, they would be aghast to hear this. Again, as I said, if you have a son or daughter or even friend who's being brainwashed in their colleges to hate themselves, if they're white, and if they're not white, they're trained to hate whitey anyway, they need to read this article. It's not a very long article. Print it out and hand it out to these brainwashed college students. They need to know these things. In Africa, the effects of policies such as SAPs have been felt sharply. As an example of how political interests affect these institutions, Africa Action describes the policies of the IMF and World Bank, but also hints at the influences behind them too. Well, I just gave myself a brilliant idea. Since I'm here in Harrison, Arkansas, I may just print this article out and format it differently because it's got uh, shades of white and off-white. I'll see what I can do about that and make it simply black and white. And uh, at least uh, take passages out of it and explain why the, uh, the argument that the world is run by white colonialists is simply false. And here are the reasons why. Because a lot, if I just print this out, they won't get the message that the argument that blaming white colonialists for the world's poverty is a false argument. You have to find out who is financing all of this stuff. And the fact that the white colonialists have left, and now but the bankers still remain. Yet we still get the blame for what these bankers are doing. So a good summary, which is not really provided by these authors, they're simply economists. They're not social critics, which we are here at Eurofolk Radio. We, we criticize Jewish socialism <laughs> constantly, right? You, you shall own nothing and, and like it, right? That's bankers communism, folks. Actually, that would be a good, good retitling of this article, bankers communism, and colonialism. Quote, Over the past two decades, the World Bank and International Monetary Fund have undermined Africa's health through the policies they have imposed. The dependence of poor and highly indebted African countries on World Bank and IMF loans has given these institutions leverage to control economic policymaking in these 
countries. Capiche? Comprende? Not America. Not white colonialists, but international banksters. The policies mandated by the World Bank and IMF have forced African governments to orient their economies towards greater integration in international markets. Now, we're not talking about racial integration here. We're not talking about diversity. Uh, Integrating their economic activities all over the planet. Globalism, folks. At the expense of social services and long-term development priorities. Do you see the problem here, folks? Why is not a single politician or academic or social, what's a, what do they call themselves again? Social warrior, social warriors. I haven't used that term in a while. I forgot how it goes. Uh, you know, those college students who think they're they're so smart in offering their socialism as an alternative to true capitalism. Social justice warriors, SJW, yeah, okay. So all these SJWs think they know something about white colonialism, but they don't know anything about globalist bankers' colonialism. They have reduced the role of the state and cut back government expenditure. There you go. They have totally taken over the government of whatever country they operate in. But what do you expect a loan to do? All these college students who get government loans and have to pay them back, they are being cast into debt slavery just like these nations are. And every once in a while, the if the loanee or loaner is the federal government by these government programs, the welfare handouts to potential college students who, what? What do they become? They become communists while they're attending college. They don't learn free enterprise. They learn this system and how to be victimized by it. If they're lucky, they'll graduate and get a job. If they're lucky, they have to be very lucky for that to happen. Or they get a, a, a pencil-pushing job at the Social Security Department and live the rest of their life bored to tears. The World Bank and IMF were important instruments of Western powers during the Cold War. No, this is a totally Rothschild operation. It's part of the UN in both economic and political terms. You see, this is educational to the extent that it gives an economic analysis of what these institutions do, but it doesn't really tell you who they are, who owns them, who runs them. doesn't give you any information about that. They performed a political function by subordinating development objectives to geostrategic interests. They also promoted an economic agenda that sought to preserve Western dominance in the not Western dominance. That's always a euphemism for Jewish globalist dominance 
in the economy. Not surprisingly, the World Bank and IMF are directed by the governments of the world's richest countries. No, they are not. They are directed by the bankers in those richest countries. Combined, the group of seven, US, it's just like the United Nations. The nations are simply uh, dominoes propped up you know, in their seats at the United Nations building, which was built by the Rockefellers. The United States, the United Nations was created by the Rothschilds, the structure of it. And they're just pawns propped up by Jewish money. It has the semblance of a representative institution, but it is the least representative institution in the world. I'm talking about the UN. They handpick the so-called representatives from corporate America, from corporate Germany, from corporate France, from corporate Italy, Japan, etc., and they parade these people around as if they actually represent the people of the countries. No, they don't. They represent the Rothschild interest, and that's all they represent. So, Again, this is misleading information. It's diagnosing. So, okay, so the MD comes to your house. You're, you're having an extreme health emergency. And he doesn't tell you what the disease actually is, but he's ready with a prescription. I want to give you this drug, that drug, and here's the bill. I hope you live. <laughs> so he's going to try to keep you alive so that he can uh, milk more money out of you. But he's not going to cure the disease. So more than 40% of the votes on the board of directors are held by these so-called nations, by these people falsely representing these countries. The U.S. alone accounts for almost 20%. The U.S. holds 16.45% of the votes at the World Bank and over 17% of the votes at the International Money Fund, Monetary Fund. Uh, all this is saying is that handpicked uh, you know, celebrities by the World Jewish Congress are, are used to represent us. That's all this is saying. Continuing. But it is not just health. Basic food security has also been undermined. An example in 2002 at least made it to the mainstream of media attention in the UK as Anne Pettifor, P-E-T-I-F-O-R, head of debt campaign organization, debt campaign organization. What a title. Jubilee Research noted the IMF forced the Malawi government to sell its surplus grain in favor of foreign exchange just before a famine struck. Huh. Oh, you thought these international bankers were generous, compassionate? You thought that? This was explicitly so that debts could be repaid, <laughs> not, not to prevent famine. Okay, so that debts can be repaid. So what's the banker interested in? Getting the debt, getting the money out of that country. 
They could care less about the famine. Seven million of the total 11 million population were severely short of food. Quote, but it's worse than that, said Pettifor, because Malawi is indebted, her economic policies are effectively determined by her creditors, represented in Malawi by the IMF. And you know that every Jewish lobbyist has the ear of the president, the vice president, the Congress, the legislature, everything. Because they have so much money, they can hire a billion lobbyists to influence your government. And that's what happens all over the world. This this article at least proves how powerful the bankers are. Yet, here we sit in a country of supposedly educated people, many who have college degrees and know absolutely nothing about banking. Know absolutely nothing about the Federal Reserve Bank. Absolutely nothing about the fact that they are slaves to this system. Again, Abraham Lincoln put it very succinctly, I have given America a currency which does not accrue a single percentage point of interest, zero interest. This has been a boon to the American economy. What was his reward? He got assassinated by a Jew. That's what his reward was. And that same for Kennedy. Kennedy issued Executive Order 11110 authorizing the, the Department of the Treasury to issue silver-backed money. What was his reward? A bullet in the head. Now that I think about it, both of them got a bullet in the head, did they not? Aren't the Jewish banksters telling us we will blow your head off if you contradict us? This is the mafia, folks. This is the international Jewish banking mafia. This is how they operate. As all mafiosos operate, they will blow you away if you object too much. Okay? Huh. Let's continue with this quotation here. Malawi spent more than the budget the foreign creditors set. As a result, the IMF withheld $47 million in aid. Other Western donors, acting on advice from the IMF staff, also withheld aid, pending IMF approval of the national budget, unquote. So, folks, how in the world... Can the IMF and World Bank and all these other international banking institutions be considered good for any economy? Their only purpose is to get your country in debt and control you. That's their only purpose. And I'm amazed at how few people understand this. 
truly a myth. But of course, you you you're educated at Jew-controlled educational institutions, <laughs> government. Which is worse, having the Jews control it or a bunch of lazy ass bureaucrats? Which is worse? They could be equally bad. Continuing, to add to the humiliation of the Malawian government, the IMF has also suspended the debt service relief for which she was only recently deemed eligible because she is off track. She didn't follow our rules. While people were starving, they tried to balance their budget without the approval of the IMF. No, no, no. We don't allow that. You know, like if you buy a home and you come into some money and you can pay off your mortgage faster, pay off your mortgage faster, no, 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 no. We don't want you to do that. <laughs> we want to keep you in debt. All right? <laughs> and this is so, so cynical. But the ignorance on the part of college students and the general public as to how banking works is just simply amazing. Simply amazing. I think it was, uh, who was the inventor? of the light bulb, Thomas Edison, said, if the government can issue debt, debt money, it can spend that same dollar into circulation without incurring debt. So why do governments borrow money from Jew bankers when they don't need to? It's because if our government refused to borrow money from the Federal Reserve, somebody's head gets blown off. Okay, that is not the end of the story, unfortunately. As Penafor also mentioned, under the economic program imposed by her creditors, Malawi removed all farming and food subsidies, allowing the market to determine demand and supply for food. They broke the rules. This reduced support for the farmers, leading many to go hungry as prices increased. Okay, so you go to the street corner loan shark. You borrow money at a very high rate of interest. This jumpstarts your farming operation. But the day comes when you have to start paying it back. In fact, I had an employee do this for, for some stupid reason. Well, he was an al alcoholic. He unnecessarily went to a loan shark to borrow for like $500 on, on his car as collateral. He blew the money in a few days. So but when it came to time to make the first payment, he didn't have money. I think I actually gave him a couple of advances on his paycheck to help him you know, keep his car. But being an alcoholic and being uneducated economically, he he's, he lost it. He wound up losing his car. So I don't know what a loan shark, when they repo a car, will get for that car. But at least they get they get some kind of money back. But the 
the borrower loses. The borrower always loses. Unless you're lucky enough you know, to win the lottery. <laughs> you win the lottery, and then you don't have to pay your debt service anymore. Okay? The entire planet is in debt to these Jew banksters. And the mass media and the colleges and the politicians will never tell you the truth as to how this system works. Again, Meyer Amschel Rothschild stated, Give me the power to issue a nation's currency, and I care not who makes its laws. And that goes for the Jewen as well. Okay, folks, we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to play a song here by... Hold on, i got to switch uh, gears here. By... Jonathan David Brown, and this is called Call Upon the Name. See you in a few minutes.
right, welcome back, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this economics lesson, which uh, you can pay a million dollars at your university and not learn any of this, not learn any of this. So, again, uh, drawing upon my experience when I returned from Vietnam, I took an economics course, and the main text was Paul Samuelson's book, Economics, of course, Samuelson is a Jew. It's a two-inch thick tome. <laughs> it tells you all about how how business works and uh, you know how people do things. But there are only two paragraphs about the Federal Reserve Bank, which is which is the the most important subject of all. How how these bankers issue money and put it into circulation. It's like uh, printing an automotive manual, and you eliminate any discussion of the engine, except you you have a couple of paragraphs. Hey, say, hey, there's an engine here. You know, this engine makes the makes the car move, and that's all you have. That's all you have. It's like modern history books have uh, pages about Marilyn Monroe, and nothing about George Washington and the patriots who created this country. So it, it gives you, you know, a, a, an example. A picture of how totally controlled our society is by these creatures. They make they're making fun of us. They're laughing at us because they have made us ignorant, and they intend to keep us ignorant for as long as possible. So this is our situation, folks. And uh, just really quickly, uh, uh, we are. This is Speak Free Radio simulcasting on Eurofolk Radio. I want to make a couple of announcements. First of all, uh, at noon uh, Central Time on Voice of Christian Israel, I will be discussing the issue of telegony because there is now a scientific paper proving that telegony is a scientific fact. And this is something we've actually been expecting for quite some time because the the evolutionists, for whatever reason, uh, you know, because – because farmers, you know, white farmers <laughs> have been teaching this for generations, actually. Uh, well, you can't have white farmers dictate science, can you? No, you have to have university Jews dictate science. Therefore, the the universities have always poo-pooed telegony. Now they can't do that anymore. The science is in, folks. The science is in. So stick around for that. Also, before. Before I go on, if you choose to stick with uh, Eurofolk Radio, Brother Abair has his wonderful studies uh, about the true meanings of Bible verses and the covenant message. And you know, so also Speak Free Radio is uh, replete with wonderful books with Money Tree Publishing. And I'm just going to recite a few titles here. The Six Million Factor Finch Fiction by Peter Winter. Europa, The Last Days, that's a, a four-disc CD package, okay, in black and white. Uh, it's an interview with, by Dave Harry and the black author. Uh, who, who knows? It's the Jews. <laughs> the Jews are the problem, not white people. The Myth of German Villainy. That sounds like a really good book. I may just order that one myself. 
and Jews are the problem, the war against whites, Mein Kampf, Henry Ford, the international Jew, and you know everything that makes the Jews angry. <laughs> My book, of course, The Great Impersonation, Exposing the Lies of History. Man, uh, that's, a, that's an extremely thin book. <laughs> it has to be 50 or 60 volumes to expose all the lies of history. And, of course, Hellstorm. Hellstorm, communism by the back door, exploding the Middle East myths. And, of course, we know that Kykistan is nothing but an ongoing myth going all the way back to Genesis 3.15, the Jews pretending to be Israel and uh, deceiving the entire planet with that lie, which is, of course, in Je uh, sorry, Revelation 12.9, the beast that deceiveth the whole world, the host and the parasite by Greg Felton, We know who the host is, and we know who the parasites are. And, of course, Andy Hitchcock's two books, In the Name of Yahweh and Synagogue of Satan, rounds out the, the chapters here. Uh, and uh, Dave and I are preparing at least one more book for publication, and uh, hopefully by next year, early next year, the uh, Arsenal of Words will be available which explains how the Jews have redefined words, have distorted scripture via translation, and, in fact, have doctored the, the actual Hebrew we know as the Masoretic text. And that's going to be the subject of next week's show, uh, the difference between the Masoretic text and the Dead Sea Scrolls in the book of Isaiah. So this will give you a perfect example of how the Jewish rabbis, the Masoretes, have doctored the Hebrew and deceived the whole world into believing their version of Scripture. Unfortunately, the King James Version has been so mystified, and very, very few Christians know it because they trust the Jews. You know, if I, I can't get this through strongly enough that, If you trust the Jews, you will simply be led astray, okay? So, yeah, the Voice of Christian Israel will be at noon Central Time. We have another hour left here on this show, and then Brother Hebert to follow. So thank you all for listening. And uh, so it's very important that you support Money Tree Publishing. It's very important that you support Speak Free Radio and Eurofolk Radio. I think we're, we're in the forefront of exposing the international Jew. And we need to keep Speak Free and EFR alive, alive and functioning in this world. So thank you for all your support in advance. Thank you for all those who've contributed, some of you in the chat room right now, and to those anonymous donors who uh, send an occasional check for $100, 50, try sending a thousand, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever you can afford will help. And uh, even though Speak Free Radio has a, a few people who are anti-identity, that's okay. They'll learn. They may have to learn the hard way. <laughs> All right. So let's continue with today's study, Structural Adjustment, 
which is, I would have titled it Banker's Colonialism, because that's what it is. But you can't blame colonialism on bankers, especially Jewish bankers. You have to blame it on white white companies, white corporations, and white nations. Okay, especially the white patriarchy. The evil white patriarchy strikes again. They went to South Africa and actually built a country. They installed plumbing, roads, railroads, airports, hospitals, malls, shopping malls. And I didn't see any black people objecting to those things. Let's continue. Okay, so this article about Malawi, which is an African country. I don't think I've ever heard of it. How, how Malawi has been built by the IMF and World Bank. It says here that that is not the end of the story, unfortunately, as Pettifor also mentioned, under the economic program imposed by her creditors, not by nations, folks, not by America, not by Germany, not by Sweden, but by these Jewish banksters, Malawi removed all farming and food subsidies, allowing the market to determine demand and supply for food. Well, if everybody's in debt to the Jew banksters and having to pay that back, how much money are they going to have left for luxuries like food, shelter, clothing? This You can see that this is economic slavery to the hilt, and nobody calls it what it is. This reduced support for farmers, leading many to go hungry as prices increased. As she also noted, the rich countries, on the other hand, do not follow their own policy. (laughs) Well, that's because we are also controlled by Jews. You expect Jews to follow their own rules? You expect Jews to follow Yahweh's laws? Don't be silly. Europe and the U.S. subsidize their agriculture with billions of dollars. Well, actually, that's not a, that's not correct because the U.S. subsidizes farmers not to grow food. But the U.S., for example, sees this situation as exploitable. Pettifor again, U.S. politicians. I don't want to indict the American people who simply don't know what's going on. U.S. Secretary for Agriculture Dan Glickman, huh? Sounds like a Jew to me. Illustrates well the U.S. attitude to countries suffering famine and in need of food aid. Quote, humanitarian and national self-interest both can be served well by well-designed foreign assistance programs. Food aid has not only met emergency food needs, but has also been a useful market development tool. Unquote. Oxfam report. Rigged rules and double standards, trade globalization, and the fight against poverty, unquote. Uh, Globalization increases the poverty, folks. It's that simple. By Kevin Watkins and Penny Fowler. Now you know why the American taxpayer is used to uh, make grants to foreign countries that are in trouble. Because the grant money we give them, which they don't have to pay back, can be used to service the debt of the Jew bankers. 
That's how they get paid back. The American taxpayer pays for it all. And the German taxpayer and the British taxpayer, etc. That's how it works. It is not just the U.S. that uses aid in this way. Most rich countries do this. And it isn't just food aid, but aid in general that is often used inappropriately. The Guardian reported August 29, 2005, how 700,000 pounds, about $400,000, no, that's incorrect. The pound has always been worth, it's, it's got to be a, a billion dollars, of a $3 million in British aid to Malawi was misspent on U.S. firms, hotel, and meal bills. Okay. Oh, remember Hawaii, Lahaina, after they destroyed that city with their directed energy weapons, sparing all those houses that had roofs painted blue, which included Oprah Winfrey's house, killing all those people, the aid people by the UN and uh, government agencies were housed in first-class hotels, and the people of Lahaina got nothing, absolutely nothing. When will people wake up? Even notebooks and pens were flown in from Washington rather than purchased locally. <laughs> can, can you believe this? This is how much they care about those people. See this site section on foreign aid for more details about the issue of foreign aid and its misuse. I mean, the corruption is so bad, it's hilarious. Tragically hilarious. Hilariously tragic. The next heading is IMF and World Bank Reform. Really? Really? Anybody expect to reform the perfidious Jew and global banking operations, otherwise known as Mystery Babylon in the book of Revelation? Throughout the period of structural adjustment from the 80s, Various people have called for more accountability and reform to these institutions to no avail. To no avail. A fo following the IMF and World Bank protests in Washington, D.C. on April 16, 2000, I missed that. But of course, that was, uh, the, what was the, the transition from 1999 to 2000. That was the millennium bug period. And so this was shortly after. Oh, okay, April 16th, that tax day. Okay. So some American patriots realized that their tax money was going straight to the IMF and World Bank. And coinciding with the Meltzer report criticizing the IMF and World Bank, there has been more talk about IMF reform. So this is way back in 2000, folks. At first thought, the reform sounded like protests and other movements' efforts are paying off. However, as Oxfam noted, some of the reform suggestions may not be the way to go and may do even more harm than good. 
No. These institutions must be eliminated. They're totally unnecessary. They're nothing but parasitic entities run by the parasite in charge, Rothschild. In their own words, quote, While some of the reform proposals now being debated are sensible, the thrust of the reform agenda is a source of concern for the following reasons. I'll bet the reform agenda is dictated by Jews. Bullet point number one, it reflects a growing disenchantment with multilateralism. Well, globalism. It threatens to replace inappropriate IMF conditions with inappropriate conditions dictated by G7 countries. So one inappropriateness follows another. It fails to address the real policy issues at the heart of the IMS failure as a poverty reduction agency. You expected real change? It does not address the politicization of IMF loans, especially with regard to the U.S. Treasury's influence, which would mean who controls the U.S. Treasury, folks? Who controls that? It does not adequately consider the democratic deficit, whatever that is, which prevents poor countries from having an effective voice in the IMF. Are these countries democracies? Are these countries socialist states? Are they communist states? Do they actually have elections? Honest elections? There is no such thing as democracy, folks. Democracy is that political uh, situation or form which is dictated by, by Jewish propaganda. That's a democracy. On the one hand, it seems appropriate to demand an end to the MIF. Oh, well, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It seems appropriate? Oh, the author is so apologetic. However, such an abrupt course of action may itself lead to a gaping hole in international financial policies without an effective alternative. How about canceling the debt? And the people who have money in their pockets don't need to pay that debt anymore. They can use that money to build their businesses. No, you can't have that. You have to have debt. The world is run by debt. It's controlled by debt. And that is another topic in itself. It sure is. Into 2008, and the global financial crisis has been so severe that rich countries have been affected. Calls for reform have therefore increased, blah, 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 even from within some of these institutions themselves. But those calling for, for reform from within these institutions are only using Band-Aids. <laughs> They're only using Band-Aids. You have to have a hangman's noose to resolve this situation, folks. These calls have included more transparency and accountability as well as specifics such as creating a more stable financial system and cracking down on tax havens. Tax havens are only symptoms of the problem. 
Again, it's for throwing a Band-Aid on the problem. This time, however, developing countries are demanding more voice and have more power than in past years to try and affect this. Has anything changed? Has anything changed since 2008? No, this is just talk. Blah, blah, blah. In April, the IMF conceded just 3% of rich country votes to the developing countries. What does that mean? The IMF conceded just 3% of rich country votes to the developing countries. So I guess we can assume it means that only a 3% increase of uh, funding went to these countries that they didn't have to pay back. I'm not sure what that means. doesn't make any sense to me. But developing countries rightly want more. Yeah, everybody wants more. But the Jews are only giving you a loan. They're not going to give you debt cancellation. They're not going to give you debt relief. All nations are constipated full of debt. And you don't, <laughs> and, and we need to have a, a drug that cleans you out. And that ain't happening. You're going to remain constipated. I, I've never had that problem, so I don't take those drugs. I forget what they're called. But anyway, uh, decongestant. Right? <laughs> are your bowels congested? You can't eliminate. There's all kinds of products on the market for that. Okay. Historically, democracy and power have not gone well together. <laughs> oh, you think? That's because democracy is an illusion. As I said, democracy is a government that's controlled by Jewish journalists, Jewish propaganda. They prop up the people you vote for, you vote for them, and you get screwed every time. And as journalist John Vendale has found, quote, the most powerful international institutions tend to have the worst democratic credentials. <laughs> and that goes for all the countries. The power distribution, the communists, how about communism? There are no democratic credentials there. How about dictatorships? The power distribution among countries is more unequal and the transparency and hence democratic control is worse. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you, Michael. America is, in fact, the Stone Kingdom. So this will change. And very abruptly, because Yahshua said, I come as a thief in the night. So get ready. Now, the, the insider information I have is to the effect that the bond market in America is collapsing. And it's the bond market that has been keeping our economy going. If our bond market collapses, which means they cannot find anybody to invest in American bonds, whatever, whether they're private or government bonds, doesn't matter. If they can't find any buyers for these bonds, that means the Fed is going to have to buy these bonds itself. And actually, the Fed has been doing this for quite some time. 
just to create the illusion that the American bond market is still healthy. But what does that mean? It means more hyperinflation. You think we've got inflation now? I went to Home Depot to buy a three-quarter inch sheet of four-by-eight plywood, and it, it's cost 100 bucks. A hundred bucks for a sheet of plywood, which three or four years ago was like 20 bucks. I would say that's inflation, real serious inflation. How about food prices? How about gas prices? I remember back in 1999, the price of gasoline was 199, two bucks a gallon. Now everybody's paying around four bucks or more. Diesel is five bucks. The the process for extruding petroleum out of the ground and refining it has not changed. If anything, it's gotten more efficient. There's only one reason why the prices are going up. It's hyperinflation, folks. It's hyperinflation. It has no other cause but money creation by international bankers. Let's continue. If change is to be effective, these fundamental issues will need resolving. I'm sure they, they sure will, right? I, I, I'm amazed at the apologetic language in this article. You know, we need to string up these bankers. I guess read between the lines. Powerful countries may try to reshape things only insofar they can get themselves out of trouble, which they can't. Remember the headshot. Lincoln and Kennedy, remember the headshot. Every politician in the world who has bucked this system has been assassinated. And if they can avoid it, what, getting getting into trouble? They will try to limit how much power they concede to others. And perhaps a sad reality of geopolitics will be that any emerging nations that become truly influential and powerful in this area will one one day try to do the same. For now, however, developing countries generally have a common agenda of more voice and will therefore champion some common principles of better democracy and accountability. Okay, so the patchwork solution is more democracy. More democracy. Do you think that's going to solve anything? When when has democracy ever solved anything? America is a republic. And while America was still a republic, we had virtually zero tax. There was no direct head tax on the American people from the federal government until the 16th Amendment. And we know who sponsored that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nimble Horse Laxatives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I've never used laxatives, so I forget the term. Anyway, Nimble Horse says Jewflation. That's what it is. Jewflation. Okay. Boy, are we in trouble. Yeah. Okay. So we're suffering from every possible ailment as a society. But none of the none of the pundits are diagnosing the true cause. 
Lincoln and Hitler diagnosed the cause. Jewish banking. Unless we can get all the people behind us in exposing this truth. And, you know, there was. There, there was really a promising movement. Oh, when, when, I think it was early 2000s at the Fed. The end the Fed movement. And I attended a demonstration in downtown Chicago, right at the Michigan Avenue Bridge over the Chicago River. And unfortunately, the vast majority of the demonstrators were leftists, which means they have no comprehension of economics. However, they did know enough that the Fed was too powerful and protested against it. And I remember when I went there, there was this one faction. There was this Jewish faction there. And they were actually saying that opposing the Fed is anti-Semitism. I thought that was very interesting that they would admit <laughs> that the Fed is controlled by Jews. They would, you know, of course, that was a left-handed admission, right? But it was an admission. You know, criticizing the Fed is anti-Semitism or anti-Judaism, right? I thought that was really funny. But I don't think the leftists got it. The, the leftists were intimidated by that. Continuing. IMF and World Bank admit some of their policies do not work. <laughs> oh, some? Only some? Recently, we have heard members of the World Bank and IMF entertain the possibility that maybe their structural adjustment policies did have some negative effects. Yeah, it kept people in debt. For example, the Bretton Woods Project revealed that in 2000 and Quote, Inter internal World Bank report has concluded that the poor are better off without structural adjustment. Oh, you think the poor are better off without borrowing money from rich international bankers? The poor are better off without debt? What little money they have, they can spend on resources instead of servicing debt. Makes sense to me. The report itself is titled The Effect of IMF and World Bank Programs on Poverty. So, you know, they know what they're doing. The report doesn't really look in detail at why the poor benefit less from adjustments. <laughs> Never in history has going into more debt solved the, the problem of poverty. Never. Instead, it speculates that they may, they may be ill-placed to take advantage of new opportunities created by structural adjustment reforms. Okay, well, they're, they're always going to be ill-placed because they'll never be able to service the debt. Because, as the Bretton Woods Project insinuates, the report implies that the poor have neither the skills or financial resources to benefit from high-technology jobs and cheaper imports, unquote. So why even bother lending them the money to do these things? Well, because that makes the World Bank look good. See, we're helping these poor people by giving them the money to build factories, which never get built, 
giving them money to become efficient farmers, which never happens, giving them the money to uh, clear out the corruption from their government, which obviously never happens. Think about it. The, there, there's, this system will never work. It's designed to fail. And these people, even these commentators here, are soft-pedaling this nonsense, even though they're doing a really good job explaining it. Now, any, I think any liberal can understand what the problem is here. It's the bankers themselves. Continuing. Now, it may not have been the intent of the report to do so, but one can't help but notice how it almost seems as though while they may admit the structural adjustment didn't benefit the poor, it is almost as though the bank tries to suddenly resolve itself by suddenly blaming the poor for not benefiting from the loan. <laughs> right? Oh, well, no. It says, let me quote it again. Have neither the skills or financial resources to benefit from high technology jobs and cheaper imports. Well, isn't that the purpose of structural adjustments? Isn't what that what the loans were granted for? So why don't they develop these skills and financial resources? Because they're lending to corrupt governments who have no intention of making these reforms. Okay? Plus, as the report has stated earlier, they still have to compete with the big boys, the developed nations. They can't possibly do that. So they're far better off just ditching the IMF and World Bank altogether. But you know that's not going to happen. The parasite will never let go of the host, large or small. As mentioned further above, as many critics have said for a long time, Opening up poor countries in an aggressive manner can leave them vulnerable to large capital volatility and outflows. Reuters, another Jew-owned corporation, reporting on the IMF report also noted, quote, that the IMF sounded more like its critics <laughs> when making this admission. Yeah, well, I mean, Jews will admit backhandedly to having made a mistake but not to changing its policies. In theory, there may indeed be merit to its various arguments supporting global integration and cooperation. No, there aren't. <laughs> not even in theory, folks. It's all fakitude. But pol politics, corruption, geopolitics, as well as numerous other factors need to be added to economic models, which could prove very difficult as suggested in various parts of this site, because economics is sometimes separated from politics and other major issues, at least in people's minds. No, there is no separation between politics and economics. Because economics bribes the politicians to keep the system going and keeping us in debt. And other major issues, theory can indeed be far from reality. Now, in addition, we know that the international Jew is the one responsible for the high influx 
of illegal aliens in all Western countries. Do you think the IMF and World Bank object to this? No, they're sponsoring it. They're paying for it. Sitglitz, I think it should be Stiglitz. Sitglitz, the former World Bank chief economist, is worth quoting a bit more to give an insight into the power that the IMF has and why accusations of it and its policies being colonial-like are perhaps not too far off. (laughs) The delicate language, I mean, the kid gloves language they're using here just amazes me. But, yeah, the IMF is a colonialist operation. There you go. That's the point of this series, folks. It's bankers' colonialism. Call it what it is. Stop using the language they want you to use. Structural adjustment, my ass. It's bankers' Jewish colonialism. That's what it is. They actually use those two words in the same sentence, colonial and bank, (laughs) all right? All right. Quote, the IMF is not particularly interested in hearing the thoughts of its client countries on such topics as development strategy or financial austerity. In other words, it's not interested in hearing complaints about structural adjustment. All too often, the funds approach, I mean, Let's continue. All too often, the funds approach to the developing countries has had the feel of a colonial ruler. All right. Truth be told, even though with uh, uh, the the attitude of an obsequious slave, I dare not criticize the, the power in charge I might get my head blown off. I have to be careful how I phrase my language. A picture can be worth a thousand words, and a single picture snapped in 1998, shown throughout the world, has engraved itself in the minds of millions, particularly those in former colonies. The IMF's managing director, Michael Camdesis, the head of the IMF, is referred to as its managing director. A short, neatly dressed former French Treasury bureaucrat who once claimed to be a socialist. (laughs) Sorry, I have to laugh. He still is a socialist, you moron. Is standing with a stern fascist, Klaus Schwab, is just as much a socialist and an international banker. Standing with a stern face and crossed arms over the seated and humiliated humiliated president of Indonesia. Oh, reminds me of that verse in Isaiah where when the people realize who the Antichrist really is, it's a short little Jew banker. They'll be amazed. This is the Antichrist. This pipsqueak, <laughs> this this pipsqueak of a banker. Anchor is the Antichrist? No. Uh, I'm expecting the devil himself, a demonic figure, such as Moloch or whatever pagan god you happen to worship, whether you realize you're worshiping it or not. Okay? People will be amazed. This is a short little Jew banker. 
He runs the whole, he controls the entire world. Why? Because he has an army of assassins at his disposal ready to shoot. The world is run by the banking mafia. In the end, ironically, much of the money went to not to help Indonesia, but to bail out the colonial powers' private sector creditors. Right? We take care of our own. Officially, the ceremony was the signing of a letter agreement, an agreement effectively dictated by the IMF, of course, though it often still keeps up the pretense that the letter of intent comes from the country's government. There you go. The same thing is true of the United Nations, which is not a government. It is simply, it's simply a bunch of obsequious lapdogs. That's the word I'm looking for. Obsequious lapdogs begging for a morsel of food from their Jewish master. Defenders of Candessus claim the photograph was unfair, that he did not realize that the photograph was being taken. <laughs> oh, you caught me. You caught me. That's not the real me. And that it was viewed out of context. Uh, uh, I thought a picture cannot tell a lie. And if a picture is worth a thousand words, excuses are worth a thousand apologies. But that, but no apology. No, you're taking the the information you have with your own eyes out of context. I'm not a slave master with my arms crossed and my foot on your neck. No, you're mis you're misdiagnosing the situation. You can't. You, you know. Oh well, never mind. It reminds me of the famous quote, quip by Groucho Marx. Who do you believe, me or your own eyes? Let's continue. Continuing with this quotation. But that is the point. In day-to-day -day interactions away from cameras and reporters, this is precisely the stance that the IMF bureaucrats take from the leader of the organization on down. And the same thing is true of the NFL. I did a show about the NFL and the Jews who control that organization. I referred to them as the Integration Mafia because the true purpose of the National Football League is to integrate our society and blame everything on Whitey. And in this case, Whitey is John Gruden. If you want a background story on the lawsuit filed by John Gruden against the NFL, it's up on the, uh, what, what show is it, uh, uh, Restoration Hour from last night, uh, really explaining. And I think John Gruden is going to beat the NFL. There's a real good chance he will beat them in court, which means they have to reveal all those 650 emails that actually are, are going to implicate every official of the NFL. They just singled out John Gruden because he made a couple of inopportune remarks <laughs> about blacks <laughs> in those emails. Okay. Guess how many other? NFL 
opportunists or leaders, including the Jewish NFL owners, have made fun of blacks and whites and Latinos, etc. Well, the upshot of it is right now, the Washington Redskins have a new owner. And that whole organization has collapsed because it was Dan, I forget his last name, the owner, the Jewish owner of the Redskins who precipitated this crisis, brought it upon his own head because of his own stupidity. And he's no longer owner of the Redskins. I imagine that the Rothschilds are going to call him on the carpet for being so stupid. What did he do that was stupid? He presented a slideshow, the blackmail PowerPoint. If you don't know about the blackmail PowerPoint, you have to listen to last night's show on the NFL. It is, again, it's hilariously pathetic, pathetically hilarious. Because the fact is, the Jews can be so arrogant that they don't know they're stupid. Let's continue. When I saw the pictures, images of other signings of agreements came to mind. I wondered how similar the scene was to those making or marking the opening up of Japan with Admiral Perry's gunboat diplomacy or the end of the opium wars or the surrender of the Maharajas in India. Okay. Who caused the opium wars? The Jewish Sassoons. The Jewish Sassoons. Let's continue. The above passage is from Stiglitz's book, Globalization and Its Discontents. Uh, he's mocking Freud. Thank you very much. In it, the, he highlights many, many more issues, criticisms, and aspects of IMF Washington consensus ideological fanaticism. <coughs> How about fantasy? that have hindered development, and in many cases, as he points out, worsened situations. It is surprising and also quite illuminating to get the insider image of the workings of some large institutions in this way. Yeah, and this is very rare. You're not going to have the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Washington Ghost, and other you know, newspapers owned by Jews reporting in this way. This is a very rare document, folks. Again, I can't stress highly enough. You should print this out and give it to your friends and family. They need to know who owns them and controls them, who their slave master is. Even though it doesn't mention a Jew, it tells them it's the bankers who own you. Into mid-2005, and though not as vocal as Stiglitz, Others at the IMF are also questioning the institution's strict adherence to the free market. This is not free market economy. Free market, the money is not distributed by bankers. The money is not put into circulation but as debt notes. Money must be issued by government debt-free. That's a free market economy. Money Loaned into circulation by bankers is debt slavery. So I'm amazed that this guy doesn't know the difference. 
One of the authors of a paper from the IMF concedes the failure of IFI policies, whatever that is, for the poorest countries, saying that much of a sub-Saharan Africa has been under IMF and World Bank programs during the last three decades. And while a modicum, uh, this is 2008, actually it's 2002, has it gotten any better? <laughs> has, has democracy come to these countries? Has economic prosperity come to these countries? No. As long as you have a Jew parasite sucking the lifeblood out of every single country on the planet, there's not going to be prosperity on this planet. We have to kill the beast, folks. It's time that people understand you have to kill the beast. Let's continue. Another working paper from the IMF suggested trade liberalization, uh, you call it liberalization, huh? okay, getting people into bigger debt, has crippled some governments of poor countries and that prospects for further trade liberalization in poor countries may be troubling. Uh, I'm still, you know, it's, the apologetic nature of this report is still flabbergasting me that they really can't come out and spit it out. Bankers are the problem. No, you can't say that. The PRSP, uh, PRSP, oh, Poverty Reduction Strategy Papers. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, here we have, again, the NFL comes to mind. Because since John Gruden filed his lawsuit against the NFL, claiming that they interfered with the contract that he had with the Los Angeles Raiders. This is outside interference in a contract that nobody has the right to interfere with. The NFL violated its own policy by making his emails public. So they, the NFL is in big trouble. So what's the NFL solution? Arbitration. Well, who controls the arbitration? It's not going to be public. It's going to be behind closed doors, and it's going to be run by the NFL. The same thing applies here. No, no transparency. No real arbitration. The bankers control the whole show, and then they can come out and publicly say, oh, the arbiter has spoken. In other words, we have spoken. You think there's transparency when the proceedings are secret? You think there's accountability when they can pick and choose the victim? And the victim, has, well, fortunately in this case, they picked a, a millionaire white football coach who knows the game. He knows the game. And he has the ability in court, to make the NFL double over in pain. And that's what he's doing. Do you think all these Jewish NFL owners who are pushing the integration mafia objective, that is to eliminate white people? I don't know if he's figured that part out. He may have. But he's going to make them pay. This is going to be very interesting. If the NFL comes down, 
the global operation of the Jews to take out the white race will be seriously affected. It'll be like a jab in the heart. So people are sick and tired of the politicization of the NFL and all you know, all sports, not, not just professional sports, all sports. White people are sick and tired of it, and it threatens the bottom line of the NFL and other sports. So you can see this is part of the globalist agenda collapsing, and collapse it will, the faster the better. Okay, so if the average American sports fan turns on his TV and finds out that the NFL has collapsed, so much the better. Go back to baseball. (laughs) Actually, baseball is not nearly as corrupt. It isn't being used. As a matter of fact, when the uh, when the Jews tried to promote lesbianism and transgenderism in L.A., you know the Dodgers organization actually went for it, but the fans stood outside the stadium and cried bloody murder. We're not having this, and the L.A. Dodgers backed off. People are getting wise to the orchestration of society by the super rich. There is hope, folks. There is hope. Anyway, PSRPs, replace SAPs, but still SAP, the poor. Yeah, the poor saps, right? The IMF in 1999 replaced structural adjustments with Poverty Reduction Growth Facility, PRGP, It's just another name for the old thing. Remember that song by the who? Won't get fooled again. New boss is just the same as the old boss. And policy framework papers with poverty reduction strategy papers, PSRPs. I I think I'm having a heart attack, folks. I can't stand all this vague language, uh, euphemistic language as the new preconditions for loan and debt relief. It's the same old conditions with a new name. However, the effect is still the same. As as I just said, I have to take a quick drink. It's too early for sangria, so I've got water. So let's continue. The effect is still the same. As the preceding disastrous structural adjustment policies, as the World Development Movement reported, many civil society organizations are increasing their critique of the PSRPs, but they're not increasing their critique of the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers and Chase Manhattan or J.P. Morgan or all these other Jew-controlled economic institutions and their NGOs and the United Nations itself. No, no, no. That would be getting too close to the truth. We cannot have plain truth simply stated. One more quote here because we're running out of time. But again, I have to stress, this article is so good for explaining to college students and other people ignorant of economics of what the real problem is. It's, it's so close to the top that, it, and in fact, it's good that it doesn't mention Jews because if you bring in the Jew question, a lot of people will just turn away and say, no, no, 
You're criticism. You're an anti-Semite. How dare you? So in some cases, it's better to have a, a document like this, which simply explains it's these institutions and not naming names, especially Jewish names, will, will, which will wake people up. They need to know these things. As Paul said, I speak to the Judeans as a Judean and to the uh, dispersion as a dispersionists, okay? You have to tailor your language so they'll understand that you have to speak to them in their language, language that they can understand. doesn't mean you're lying. You're just using language they can understand. That's the end of the Structural Adjustment Series. Thanks for listening. Praise Yahweh past the ammunition. Stay tuned to Speak Free Radio for the David Duke Show. Those of you who want to follow EFR, Brother Abair will be right up. And as I've been saying, the... Thank you.